This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That We all have a football shirt that means an awful lot to us and one that just has to be framed. Proper frame displays have to be your port of call if that's you. Follow them on Twitter at Proper Display because they are a leading supplier of signed memorabilia and experts in bespoke framing. They also hold unique signing sessions with some of the biggest names in the game. Recently, they had Celtic legend Alan Thompson in for a unique signing session with plenty of Alan's signed memorabilia available on their website to buy at properframedisplays.com. They are the player's choice when it comes to framing as well, which shows you just how incredibly good they are at what they do. They've recently worked with Andy Robertson, David Turnbull, Connor Goldson, and regularly work with Celtic and Rangers to provide fans with the unique signed jerseys that they really are desperate to get their hands on. As I've said, go to the website, properframedisplays.com. An absolute privilege for CFB and myself. I'm joined by Martin Tyler, who for me is the, the voice of, of, of the Premier League. When it comes to, to English football, whenever it's a big game, you just hope that you hear Martin on the matches and more often than not that you do. And that's what makes the games, especially during this period where fans aren't in, even better than, than, they, than they normally are. So first of all, Martin, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure, Callum. And I'm just going to make sure before we get going here that I've got enough battery in my laptop. I've just seen it's come down low. So bear with me just 30 seconds. I'm going to plug myself in to um, a main socket and then, uh, then we'll be properly ready to go. No worries. I hate to drop out on you. We're fine. Right. Um, yeah, very nice to be with you. The, the first question I've got for you, Martin, um, and this is one that I've always been interested in asking you, what's your favourite sport outside of football? Cricket. And in terms of cricket, have you ever commentated on cricket before? And if so, how different is it to commentating on football? Yeah, I did quite a lot of cricket commentary in the 70s and 80s when I was still at ITV um, for the ITV regions. Um, I commentated for what's now Meridian with Southern Television, where I was starting as a football commentator. And then for Yorkshire Television and Granada Television, I did games like the County Championship game between Lancashire and Yorkshire and a few others as well. Uh, I grew up with cricket more than football, to be honest. My um, my grandfather, my great uncle, two of my uncles all played minor counties cricket for Cheshire. So um, I was really given a bat and a cricket ball before I was given a football. <laughs> So, um, and I ended up sharing a flat um, in my 20s with um, two test captains, the late Bob Willis, who uh, uh, a great friend of mine, a great loss to me personally, and of course to the world of cricket. Um, uh, we moved into a flat in Streatham in 1970, 
And then when he moved out, having become an England player, <laughs> and he moved from Surrey to Warwickshire, a guy called Jeff Howarth moved in who went on to captain New Zealand. So I grew up with cricket so much that one, um, it was 1982, I ended up doing two days as 12th man for Surrey in a county championship fixture at, um, at uh, Portsmouth against Hampshire, which was a very strange set of circumstances, but they trusted me to at least take the drinks out. Um, and I did play for Surrey schools. I, I, I played quite a lot of schoolboy cricket. When I saw what Bob was doing, uh, he left me way behind and uh, I concentrated on football. But I, I, I love football more because it's a team game and uh, cricket's an individual game within a team structure. So uh, I think you know, it was always football for me, but I, I did have a real grounding in cricket. And commentate to answer your question, of course it's different um, in terms of the tempo of it, but um, the same principles apply. Try and identify the players properly, try and inform the... Uh, the audience, the listeners, the watchers, uh, and, you know, try and interpret what's going on out there. So because I knew I'd grown up really with cricketers, it, was, uh, it wasn't something that I was frightened of doing. But um, Sky, of course, two days as 12 men in a county championship game in 1982 doesn't quite qualify up against the test captains like Michael Anthony, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> and all the others who do a fantastic job on the cricket on Sky. Growing up, would you say you were a better cricketer than a footballer, or was it the other way about? I don't know. I gave them say um, I probably got recognised as a better cricketer. Um, but then when I started to play, uh, I played. I went to university. I played. I captain the cricket team actually, and I played for the football team. That's what life was then, Callum. It was. Um, cricket from you know the first of May to the end of August really and football the rest of the time and you just moved around the year like that and there were part of a generation which obviously um, lived that kind of way and still probably would like to but obviously there are so many other um, the football is now um, 12 months of the year basically not always for the football's fault of course we've had football in July this year which um, uh, we were grateful to get I must stress but obviously it wasn't the game's fault that we had to to play 12 months and yeah the, the players who've scored in each month of the calendar year now becomes a commentary statistic I think William was the first uh, <laughs> so um, that's in the Premier League so um, yeah I, I I just, I was driven to football perhaps because it was more mine. The cricket was, uh, I was exposed to the t higher level sooner. So I, and I knew that I could get so far, but not, not far enough. Bob and I had one season together in the Surrey Championship playing cricket. We played for a, a club um, that, that was competitive league cricket, which only just come in. And I knew, I knew I should be concentrating on football. In terms of football, as a fan growing up, who was the player that was your real hero? I don't know. I, I don't think, I mean, you wouldn't say you know, posters on walls didn't exist. Um, there was a, a monthly football magazine, then a weekly football magazine, which was called Soccer Star. And I spent quite a lot of time uh, a few years ago collecting all the back numbers through eBay and I've got the whole set of them now from the run from I think 1952 to 1970 or something like that 
Um, so I'm as a working fan. I mean, the, the weird thing about this is, you know, from being a, an eight-year-old boy going to watch Woking and then now ending up on the coaching staff is a very strange journey. Uh, but it's probably stranger at your end of this conversation than to mine. But um, because people have questioned why non-league football, I, I was a non-league football fan. And in the 50s, um, having gone to see Woking through a next-door neighbour's 12-year-old son who took me as an eight-year-old as a mate who um, looked after me, who went on the bus, went to Woking, um, and that, that was... Um, they won four-one, which might well have helped, I guess, on the day. But uh, you know, they're still my team, and whatever happens, I, I'm sure I won't be assistant manager at Woking for for for, for many years to come. Um, but I'm enjoying my time there now, and when when I stop, I'll still um, I'll still follow them. Uh, it's um, it's it, it, so in players. I was I, I wanted to be a, I was a centre forward in non-league football. I like goal scorers. I love the goal. My, one of my first memories of having a football was going onto a recreation ground and um, putting the, the the nets were put up on, the, on the, these park pitches, pretty much like by the players sort of half an hour before the kickoff. They couldn't be left out all the time. And in that time, when they went back in again to just put their shin pads in and whatever else, um, we would whack the ball in the net. And I just loved doing that. And I tried to do that as a, as a non-league player and. Uh, university footballer I just so uh, goal scorers yeah I love a goal being scored I, you know, it's the joy of a commentary as well but I think the experience of actually doing it and what I set out to try and do um, that was um, that was what drove me on really so anybody who could score a lot of goals I loved and uh, working we had a good view and, and, and when I was 11 12 12 uh, working won the amateur cup at Wembley, 71,000, 71,000 watching your local team. Uh, the second half was live on, on BBC when there was no live football at all, really. Um, Kenneth Walston home doing the commentary. And um, so so those kind of things push me towards um, where I am today, I suppose. Now, you mentioned where you are today. You're commentating on the Premier League and all elite football, Champions League, World Cups, European Championships. But... Having that role at Woking, does that keep you really in touch with the non-league system in the sense that it's a throwback to what football used to be in many ways? No, no, it's very much a modern day thing. We're as high tech as you can be as a part-time football club. In our, We've been there two years and two years and three months, four months. We played Watford in the FA Cup. So, you know, that, that's very much in tune. Watford, before their relegation, they were a Premier League team. Um, uh, we played Oxford United on Friday night. So, you know, we, we played Portsmouth and pre-season friendlies. Uh, we played Wicca, um, Wimbledon. We, we played lots of league clubs. So, no, it's very much of the, of the day, not of... Um, yeah, I, I, I feel a bit nostalgic every time I drive into the ground because obviously that's the ground is exactly the same in, in many ways to what it was when I went there all those years ago. But no, it's not, it's not a nostalgic trip. It's trying to win games um, at a level where perhaps I, there was no National League when I was playing. So the Isthmian League was the top was the distinction between amateur and professionals. There was a Southern League, which had 
some pro clubs. My last, my last um, non-league game as a player was against Wickham Wanderers. So, and I played against Wimbledon and teams like that. So, you know, it's um, it, it's very much um, thinking of it as it is today, and and I enjoy it. And I suppose the one thing to give you an oblique answer to your question is. It keeps me, I hope, young and fresh and in tune with what's going on in football. Because, you know, we set out to try and beat Oxford United on Friday. We didn't, but you know, they they their last game was at Wembley uh, against Wickham, funnily enough, in the playoff final. And a few weeks ago, our last game was in March. So, um, you know, it was it was quite a task. But that's what we. It keeps me in tune with more with work than looking you know, looking back. I'm able to sit in dugouts with Javi Gracia was the Watford manager um, when we played them. Troy Deeney was a sub, kept giving me stick actually. We had a good banter <laughs> through, the, through the game and then he came on, we were we were only 1-0 down and doing quite well and then he came on and settled it by scoring as a substitute. So he had the last laugh. Um, and you know, we managed to, Peter Taylor was a manager, managed England and was a manager in the National League last season. And um, you know, so, I think it helps. I, I try not to be. I'm not. I'm not a coach in my commentary at all. But it keeps you in tune with what the thinking is in football and, and trends and you know, tactics. And we we do all our stuff checking out on the opposition, just like I check out the teams for commentaries. In terms of your role in the Premier League, just how much has the Premier League changed since it started? Because you've been there from the very start, and. Obviously, there were a lot of people focus on the influx of foreign players, Viali coming in, Zola, Hula, and others, to now having the teams like Liverpool and Manchester City who are up there as the best sides in Europe. Yes, I mean, obviously, the finances, um, the market forces have uh, given the game a lot of riches from uh, the way it's been marketed and developed and sold around the world. It's there's 188 countries the Premier League goes to. Instead of tens of thousands of years, you're talking about a billion, you know. So it's, so it's a massive change in terms of its reach. Um, I think the football is, is thrilling, um, pace of it. Uh, I think things have helped that in terms of the, the lightening of the laws, really, for attacking players. Um, uh, the quality of the playing surface. I, I don't describe to the, the view that the, the players are any, uh, they might be a little bit more athletic in their, in their preparation, but the, the players, when I started commentating on first division football in the 70s, the players were brilliant and strong and tough, and they did, they had to plow through mud, and they had, you know, probably a less aerodynamics with the footwear and whatever, and, um, but they were fantastic, and I would always counsel anybody of, um, who's, who's much younger than me, and you being one of them, I would say, watch on, go and find some of the old matches on YouTube, and or watch the big match revisited on the channels that show it, and look at the quality that there is. So, um, so that's that's going back even further than the start of the Premier League. But clearly, there's a wider, a wider scope for bringing talent in. Um, but we've also had to focus on developing our own talent and it sharpened the minds for that. And I think the work at St. George's Park has been excellent. And it's, you know, I'm, you know, I like to see British players coming through. I and mean, I, I grew up with 
obviously a lot of Scottish players playing in the top division in England. In fact, some of the best best games I've ever seen were uh, Friday morning training sessions between the English and the Scots at clubs that were they were playing with each other the next day. But the rivalry, um, uh, that uh, Anglo-Scottish rivalry in the same dressing room was was a focal point. Sadly, it's not quite there um, these days. And maybe you would know better than me why that has happened. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that in terms of, I think part of that is because up until a couple of years ago, the two the two sides, England and Scotland, hadn't played each other in so many years, to, to which point like, the generation um, of people my age, early 20s, who'd never really seen an England-Scotland international, so it was something that that when it originally came back was, it was quite a, a strange novelty at first because obviously older um fans and, and family members would tell you how much these games mean and how often you would get them. Great games at European Championships and qualifiers, but so many younger people didn't get access to that. So I think that's possibly why. But just staying on Scotland, Martin, you've also commentated on the Scottish Premier League. What was that like? And, and the, the, the cliched, obvious question is, what's it like commentating on a Celtic Rangers game? Because in Scotland, no matter where you are, whether you're up in Aberdeen or down at the borders, everyone knows how big that game is. Well, it's a hard question to answer. The, the games are all... The, I mean, Old Firm is... We'll come on to that in a minute. But uh, commentating on any game, to me, I treat the same way. I, I don't have any levels of um, perspective. Oh, this is more important than, than that, or that's an inferior to this. Every game, when you're broadcasting live, is the most important game you've ever done in your life. And uh, you can spend 40 years building a reputation and in 40 seconds you can lose it so you have to be well aware of um, uh, the priorities always the game that you're working on I, I've been working I'm doing the community shield for a world feed um, in less than a week's time and I before we spoke today I've been doing my prep on that because that my focus is totally on that um, so uh, the uh, the game is, for me, the games are the same. They're all intense. They're all vital for what I'm asked to do, which is be the bridge between the ground and particularly now the viewers who, who can't get into the, uh, the grounds and hopefully that will change sooner rather than later. Um, as uh, Funny enough, it, it, I, I speak to Nicky Cabamba a lot because um, you know, we, had him, we had him at Hampton and Richmond, the club we coached at before. And we tried, we were on the verge of bringing him to Woking and he signed for Kilmarnock. And then I'm watching on the telly and he's getting man of the match for my Sky colleagues against Celtic. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's been my contact in recent weeks, days with, and uh, you know, Nicky's a wonderful kid and you know, it's a great opportunity for him. And, and it, it, obviously it's tough playing centre forward in a team that don't score many goals, but, you know, we, we look out for him. Um, and um, uh, the old firm, yeah, it was a. Uh, you have to imagine somebody who's watched a lot of football but never been at an old firm game. I, I wasn't a, a young commentator when I went and did my first old firm game, but it still took my breath away. Um, and I did a, an article for the Daily Record in April. Um, it was 30 years since the. British satellite broadcasting coverage of the Old Firm game, and it was April the 1st, 1990. Um, 
I, that wasn't my first old firm game because I, I did the 1989 Scottish Cup final, but it was that was at Hamden, so it wasn't quite it was intense, but not quite as intense as home fans at home, if you see what I mean. Of course. Uh, the, the April one was at Ibrox. Um, yeah, it was different, and I, I learnt uh, a lot about um, uh, the outside influences, that it's not just a football experience, but... Um, it, it, far from me to um, say anything other than it was a dramatic piece of sporting theatre and uh, I know we could go deeper into it but I don't think it's right for an Englishman to go deeper into it um, we don't understand um, but we do understand football and, and the games were I've, I've done a number now not not I haven't done one for a while but um, if somebody asked me to go and do one um, next week, I, I'd jump at the chance. And in terms of yourself, Martin, one of the things that, that um, I really uh, admire is the fact that you've commentated on so many great players over the years. And, and I apologise for making you feel a wee bit old here, but what's it like commentating on great players over the years, like your Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, even the likes of Paul Merson, Matt Letizia, etc., and then working with them as co-commentators. Was that strange at all when it happened for the first time? Um, no. I, I think I grew up where my first commentaries were all highlights, so having a co-commentator just wasn't in the mix um, because the edits were like 20 minutes, and, if you, and I said earlier about going back and looking at the old games, you won't find any co-commentators on that except the games that were actually broadcast live at the time, which would only be the the FA Cup final and, and maybe some live international football. Um, I've always felt that uh, it's great to have, if, if you want to go to football, you want to go with a mate, don't you really? And, and my co-commentators, I like to think uh, our mates, <laughs> Andy Gray used to say to me, uh, that's for them to decide whether they're your mates or not. <laughs> but, um, um, but I try to treat them as I've got to, as you referred to a ripe old age, that they're a little bit like, you know, my kids and you, you love them all equally. Anyone, any father will tell you, or any parent will tell you, you have children, they're, they're different, but you love them all equally. And I, I'm very um, paternal, if you like, with the way I, I try to work with them. Um, yes, it's great to be able to draw on their expertise. I mean, I go back to um, the late Jack Charlton. I commentated that uh, within the 1982 World Cup, which was a, a, an amazing experience. Ian St. John also in that World Cup as well. Those were the guys that I sort of started working with and, and now players who, who played in the Premier League, of course, bring Premier League expertise to, to games. And I often say to them, look, don't be bashful. You know, if you were marking this guy, um, what would you do? So tell us, you know, tell us. That's, we want to hear what your experiences were like. That's why, you, you know, you, you've, you've got the chance to, to be a, an analyst or a pundit or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they, they're all fine people. I really enjoy working with them. It's a privilege to work with them. And it, for me, if they're happy at the end of the game, then... then that I'm happy. I think it's part of, without sounding too paternalistic, it's part of my job to make sure that the best of them, if I possibly can, the best of them comes out in their comments. 
And in terms of co-commentaries, again, years ago it tended to just be the one co-commentator. Now you can have you can have two. What's it like having two, especially when it is like Carragher and Neville? Because you and Andy Gray always had a very good relationship and you could have a laugh at the right moments. But with those two, they, they love to wind each other up, never mind anything else. Yeah, I'm just there to provide the... I'm the straight man, if you like. I you know, identify the players, remind people of the perspective, if you like, the, the maybe the the context of what we're watching. Uh, I, I have no problem with that. They're pretty disciplined within what seems maybe a slightly more a wider brief, if you like. Um, but no, I, I laugh. I'm, I'm, I'm a... I'm a listener as well, you know, they they might be a couple of feet away from me, although now they're a couple of metres away from me in the current climate. But, you know, I, I enjoy the uh, uh, the stuff that they do and games that I'm not commentating on with them, that I'm sitting at home watching. I, I enjoy their relationship and I think it's uh, it's great fun because they, they do really like each other and uh, but they love putting each other down, you know. It's, it's, it's a proper... Proper, it's, it's almost like they're, they're brothers, really, and they, uh, they're certainly brothers with the divide, with um, that um, M62 gap between their, <laughs> their cultural upbringings, um, and, and it's a it's a rivalry that works. I mean, it's 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 everybody understands Liverpool and Man United, so you don't have to sort of put it in. Um, you don't have to put an explanation there. Uh, every football fan listening knows why it's why what they represent, as well as the fact that they're very bright young men young men for me anyway not for you but they are they are bright and they and they care they really care about the game they 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 they're interested in the in the issues outside of broadcasting as well for the good of football and and that's what we all we all love the game we're you know we might be seen as um special cases but we're not we're, we're football fans and we 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 have a an opportunity to to show our love for the game, um, but there's nobody um, you know that we would never look down. We're, we're supporters. I've been very lucky to go uh, as long as I have done in my in my job. But I'd be out there as soon as fans were allowed in. I'd be I'd be first in line, you know, to go back in and watch football because. Um, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot about anything else. So, uh, in lockdown, it was even my my um, my time when I was in isolation. There was uh, um, he spent football related. You know, we did a lot of broadcasts from where I'm talking to you now on the device I'm talking to you from now. Um, we did quizzes every day, um, and then I spent time you know, going through my old program collection and my my magazine collection and. Uh, so I'm just a football nut, that's all. Absolutely. And, and in terms of iconic moments, there's been so many over the years that you've been involved in. The one that I'm sure if you'd a pound for every time that it was brought up, you'd probably be a trillionaire by now, is the Aguero moment. When you look back at that, I know you've said on the record previously that you were just so glad that you got it right because it's it's such an iconic moment that I imagine any time you're in that side of Manchester... It's, it's shouted at you every time people see you. Not just in Manchester. Um, no, you're, you're right. I, I suppose if you stay around long enough, something's gonna you're gonna be there at, at some point. I mean, uh, 
I'd been doing for what was it 2012 so, yeah yeah so coming out in my 38th year as a commentator um, on television uh, so I suppose you know my number came up if you like um, but, but it's 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 Sergio Aguero's moment it's Manchester City's moment it's um, it was an extraordinary uh, and, and it's it's not just about the moment to be honest because of the fact that they were they needed two goals in added time and and they were rivaling against Manchester United who thought they'd won the title or were expecting uh, if City couldn't um, pull it off in those last few desperate minutes um, that they that they would have been champions again uh, so all that the whole context of it um, yeah, somebody said to me, a, a good friend in football said to me in the following July when I caught up with him, uh, thinking pre-season, I was at a pre-season game, and I said, yes. Um, he said, oh, I've, I've, I didn't hear it on the day, but I've heard it since, and yeah, it, was, it was good stuff. And I, I said, no, no, it's just what I said to you. And he went, no, you didn't mess it up. Uh, but he didn't use the word mess. It's a word that I can't <laughs> use on there. <laughs> on the air so um and and I, I i sort of thought that since i didn't think it at the time i didn't even think of it at the time i just you know you just do it and it, it's you go to a place in commentary that you can't recreate i mean people i, w I was at a game yesterday and and um People were saying, Kenny, I can't, I can't do it, you know, even if for charity or whatever. You, you, it's, it's, it's the drama of the football that takes you there. And every now and then that happens, every now and then, but only every now and then. I'm, I'm glad in a way because I wouldn't want it to be sort of a parody game after game after game. I'll be honest with you. When Aguero scores, and he's obviously scored a lot of goals on my watch since since that day, um, it's always a bit of an issue in my head about pitching it. Um, but and he scored some important goals. He equalised at Brighton, I think, straight after um, uh, Glenn Murray had put them ahead on the last day of the previous season, when uh, obviously they had to win to hold off Liverpool. And that was a pretty important goal, but um, it was still a long time to go in the game. So, yeah, it's, I've never spoken to him about it. Um, the longer it goes on, um, perhaps it's better that I don't. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll be linked with him long after I'm gone, which is, you know, I suppose, deep down. I'm proud that there will be a little bit of a legacy in years to come. I say, who was that old chap who did that? And it sounds okay. And he didn't mess it up. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the fact that obviously there's there's so many younger generations of football fans. You've always managed to stay in touch with them through different work that you do. I mean, commentating in the, in the FIFA video games, for instance, that reaches a very young audience who will know who you are through that. Just what's it like working on a game like FIFA? Because it's the, it's the biggest selling football game in the world and you've been a big part of it for many years. Yeah, I did 15 years on it and... Um... Uh, yeah, you're right. That, that, that wasn't the reason for doing it, to, to stay in touch with younger audience. Um, I had no idea. In fact, I was on it marginally further back, probably 20, one, one very, very early editions on it. Um, I did a little bit of work on it. It's, it's, um, it's just a... A wild track version of what you what you do normally you don't see pictures although to be fair towards 
the last couple of games, they started to have, when the Alex Hunter story was in it, we did see some images, which was the first time. Uh, and occasionally they, they showed us some videos of the presentations, which we had to, to voice. It's, it's a test of energy. It's a test of um, being well produced. The producers do amazing jobs to keep us bang at it. Um, and it isn't scripted. It is um, guided. So the words are natural because there's, you're not reading off a page, but you're told um, what we want in the shape of the game is this. And then you um, and you come up with four or five versions. And I did it with Andy to start with. And then Alan Smith's been a, a great companion as well. Um, and he's very quick and bright. And, and we, you know, we, we just try and imagine we're doing it in front of a, a real match. And it's not so difficult to do that once you get into the the habit of doing it but uh, quite a few of my friends have got youngsters who say can we come in and watch and they always let us the, the, the studio that we did the game at um, always very welcoming but after 20 minutes they, there's nothing to watch it's just like you know, watching people talk <laughs> and, uh, and they all go away uh, Ashley Young brought his kids in actually one day <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it was um, yeah he said sorry lads I've got to go though the kids are getting rested <laughs> And that wasn't long after he came in. So it, it, yeah, it, it's, um, it's an exercise in, uh, it's not acting because you're being yourself. You know, my daughter's an actor and uh, she, uh, she, she, we talk a lot about it, but there is one fundamental difference. She's playing a part, I'm being me. And that's, um, uh, so it's, if it's in you, 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 can, you can do it. And it, 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 was a, it was great fun to do. And um, I'm glad it's resonated with that with a lot of people. Um, and that's for the people that, that make the game and invest a lot of money in it. So it's um, it's become quite a product. In fact, if you Google FIFA, uh, you get you get the game. I, I was trying to get the, the world rankings the other day on teams, and I I, I hadn't got FIFA on my you know, save searches, and I, and I found myself looking at into the computer game, not looking into the people who run world football. So it's really got a it's really got a presence, hasn't it? It really does. And one of the last questions I've got for you, Martin, um, and I, I interviewed one of your colleagues, Jeff Sterling, and asked him this question as well, because he's been on, on television for so many years, iconic at what he does as well. What are your future plans? Because I'm one of these people that I'm a massive football fan, and I love the voices that I grew up with in football. And I always get worried about the day they, they, they step aside. Are you planning to go on as long as you possibly can? Or have you got a plan in your head that says, I'll know when enough's enough? Uh, I'm not sure that I will know when enough's enough. I'd like to think I would. But no, my, I have, my plan is to do the Community Shield next Saturday. That's my plan. And uh, then we'll have the Premier League assignments, ho hopefully... I've, and I've got England against Denmark and England against Iceland live live for Sky Sports, so that that that's that's as far as I look. Uh, I always say um, when I did my very first game in 1974, I was a real left field choice because I had no broadcasting experience, but a couple of test commentaries that they insisted I did before I got the job. And at the end of it, the producer said. 
oh, well done. They said, um, we've got another game in a couple of weeks. Would you like to do that? And that was in December 1974. And as long as people are saying, we've got another game in a few days, would you like to do that? I'll keep doing it. When they stop saying that, I'll stop. Brilliant. That's that's exactly what I want to hear because, as I say, when when you grow up with iconic voices and hosts and commentators of football, it just uh, it's one of those things that I, I don't know if you've been told this before, but as a fan, especially at home, listening to yourself and and the people that we're used to, I don't know. It just it, it's got a sort of safe feeling to it, as if you're comfortable and you know that you're watching Premier League football. Well, it's very kind of you to say that. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, you. You think I've been doing all this for all these years, <laughs> and and it is. You, you, of course, you meet people at the ground. You, you even with emails, and I'm not on social media because I, I don't have to explain that to you. Really, there's a negative side. I, I, I have total respect for social media and people who want to be on it and do it, but I, it's not. It's not for me, and I of a generation where I just, and I don't have time. You imagine with the coaching at Woking and the, uh, and the preparing for the commentary. I, I don't have to, I don't know how people find time to post the tweets, but so I, I, I'm not on that. So you don't, you never know. You never know. I, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've got a great family who support uh, when I'm, when I'm, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Callum, I probably feel that like I've done a decent job five times a season out of 100 games because it, it is something you can't do perfectly. You can strive to do it. There's no such thing as a perfect commentary. There's always something you wish you had said or wish you hadn't said. <laughs> um, at least the things that you wish you had said, no, no one could know that but you, but the things you have said that you... <laughs> everybody's heard you know so um anyways so it, it's a it's a strange but i mean it's a very gratifying way to to work because you're in a privileged position but um uh, it comes with um, a bit of reflection we've had time to reflect haven't we but i wouldn't change any of it even the mistake well i would change the mistakes wouldn't i but um you know it's been it's been it's been great and it isn't over yet Absolutely. And one very quick fire question before you go, Martin, and it might be one that's very hard because you've had so many colleagues over the years, but with all the ex-pros you've worked with, if you had to pick a five-a-side team, if Sky said to you, we're organising a tournament in two weeks' time, round up five of your former co-commentators, who would be in your side and you'd be the manager? I'd be a player. <laughs> uh, it's a good question, but i, 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 I I never make uh, comparisons. I have huge respect for everybody I've worked with. Um, I have huge affection for everybody I've worked with. I have huge respect and affection for all the other broadcasters who do the same job as me because I know the um, the ups and downs of the, the lifestyle, if you like. I mean, you, know, you are away a lot. You're away from your families a lot. And, and it's a test of desire and stamina as well as ability. So anyone who, who's done it for a period of years deserves a, a huge praise, I think, from within the, the profession. Um, but I think from the ones that you know, I think we'd be quite hard to be. I think we'd leave, leave a bit on the opposition, wouldn't we, with some of the ones that I could call upon in the recent Sky Stable. I'll leave it at that. Absolutely. I think you would you would have your pick of players that many an international manager would, would, would envy. So... <laughs> 
as, as I said at the start, Martin, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. For me, as I say, growing up, you've been the voice of the Premier League and, and, and other matches for me. So it's, it's an absolute pleasure to get to speak to you. And I wish you all the best with not only the commentary, but your, your, your work with Woking as well. And of course, with your family as well. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers, Callum.